You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, we are uh, continuing our series called You've Heard It Said. It's a six-week series. It's a, it's a look at the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave, the, the greatest sermon ever preached, in my humble opinion, was by that of Jesus Christ on Sermon on the Mount, uh, found in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. And today we'll be predominantly in the first half of Matthew chapter 6. But I want to I wanna start where, we, where Logan ended last week because this is one message. We're just pulling it apart and looking at parts and pieces and, and examining it, but we want to put them back together. So we want to link these back together. And so we'll finish with the Matthew 548 in the Amplified Version. It says, you therefore will be perfect... You are growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. So this is, this is the goal, folks. This is what we are called to. We are, we are disciples that are making disciples. And as disciples, we are growing into spiritual maturity and, uh, and that doesn't actually finalize until you help other people grow into maturity, until you become a teacher. There's something about teaching that makes us learn our craft even more. I found that out in the military. You, you probably figured that out maybe as a parent. Like, I have to teach my kids things. And I haven't figured out how to do those things yet. So... Uh, we are growing into spiritual maturity, and this is discipleship, and this is what Jesus is calling all of us to. And, and really, and I love what, where Logan went with it last week, this is about a heart change. Jesus isn't trying to just change our, our external activities. Those will change too, but those will change in better ways if we allow God to address heart issues. And so let's see how this plays into this week's conversation. Before we jump into the text, I want to uh, give you uh, a couple points of context so that you hear these words of Jesus the way the original hearers heard these words, or at least what we suspect, okay? Our best guess. Um, But let's do the next slide. This is a picture of of a hypocrite. A hypocrite is an actor, a hypocrite is in the ancient Greek system was, was an actor. Some things to know about these actors. They would sound a trumpet when the lead actor would come on stage. Why? Because they had their face covered. You wouldn't know that it's Tom Cruise. Maverick, anyone? You wouldn't know it's Tom Cruise because they had their face covered. And so they would, they would sound a trumpet and let you know. They were kind of like, this is the one you want to clap for. This is the guy that's actually really good at his job. Pay attention. So they'd sound a, uh, sound a trumpet. 
They love to be seen. Have you ever known an actor that didn't want to be seen? The actor that actually wanted to be the tree in the school play. No, they want to be seen. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't kids that don't want to be seen and therefore they play the tree. I'm saying actors want to be seen, right? Um, and then they modify their face. They'd either cover their face, they would hold a, 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 you know, a mask over their face, or they'd paint their face. So they would modify their face. That's a hypocrite. And that's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear actor when we read these words today. Second thing, uh, seven times in the English, we're going to be told that, that there's some kind of reward. Some kind of reward. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, the problem is that there's two different Greek words that's being used here by Jesus, or, or at least Matthew captured two different Greek words, which actually connect to two different Hebrew words that Jesus probably originally spoke, spoke this sermon in. Okay. So we need to pay attention to which of these words, and I'm not going to get into details or the mud with you with, uh, with the Greek words, but I will let you know that, Hey, this is this Greek word is a present wage. It's what you've earned. Well, it's your paycheck. The other is an eternal inheritance has to do with an eternal inheritance. So we have to notice those distinctions when we hear this story. So uh, I will highlight those as we go through this. So let's read Matthew 6, 1 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward, no, no paycheck from your father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. Oh, what's he doing here? As the actors do, the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is in, done in secret will reward you. But this is the eternal reward. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corner so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their paycheck in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That is the eternal reward again. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So, not, so do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. This is the part of the message you probably know by heart, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive your transgressions. Now do notice that Jesus says debts in the prayer and transgressions here. We should pay attention to that. Continuing on, he says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. Don't modify your face, you actor. For they neglect their appearance so that they may be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their paycheck in full, the reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the eternal kind of reward. So that's our text today. Jesus starts off by saying, beware of practicing your righteousness. Uh, in the Greek, it quite literally says, beware the righteousness of you before men. Beware the righteousness of you before men. That is an odd saying, right? Beware the righteousness of you before men. Uh, that's because we think about righteousness, righteousness a little differently than, than they do. Uh, so let's talk about that. Zedekah is the word for righteousness. Zedekah. And we find this in uh, Genesis 15, 6. I don't know if we have that slide. I don't remember if we have Genesis 15, 6. But it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him as righteousness. In the Jewish mind, Zedekah is acting like Abram, like their father, Abraham. Your Zedekah is, are your acts that you do like we see Abraham doing in the text. It's part of the scripture. You go look at the story. You see how Abraham lived. You see his response. You see how the way uh, he handled uh, the situation with Lot. Uh, the, 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 the three visitors, how he ran to them, how he was exceedingly generous, uh, you know, how he tithed to the King of Salem. You look at his acts, his, his Zedekah, and you emulate his acts. Now, who do we choose to emulate for our Zedekah? Jesus. So not that different. We just talk about it a little differently, but, uh, not that, not that different. There are three ways uh, that Jesus is talking. There's three types of Zedekah that he's going to talk about in this passage. He's going to talk about serving the poor. And he says, don't sound the trumpet. Don't, don't, don't draw attention to yourself, right? In fact, he says, uh, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Now, I don't literally know how to do that. Do you? Do you know how to make sure that you're like, maybe it's like in, in last week's sermon, we we're supposed to cut off the right hand if it causes you to sin. Well, every one of us would be walking around left-handed. 
And some of us would be pretty good at writing things down, and others would not. For me, I'd be just as bad. I'm equally pedestrian writing with either hands. It's okay. I could be a doctor. So maybe it's not about removing body parts. And maybe it's not about not taking this literally, but maybe this is a heart issue like it was last week. Like this is a heart issue. And the, and the question is, who is your primary audience? Who is your primary audience as you serve the poor, as you, as you help people? The second area of Zedekah is prayer. And he says, uh, you know, don't, don't stand out in the synagogue, out in the middle, waving your hands and, but to, but to go into your inner room and, and, and close the door. Um, the problem is, is most people in first century uh, Judea did not have an inner room. So what were they supposed to do? Maybe, again, we don't take this literally. And again, this is a heart question. This is a heart issue. And who is your primary audience? I've, I've, I've prayed. I, or I've listened to people pray before. And I've wondered, are they praying for me to hear them? Or are they praying for God to hear them? Now, I'm not very good at judging people's hearts. That's not my job. But I've, I've, watched, I've questioned it a few times. Maybe, maybe you have too. And then fasting. A third way that Jesus talks about us practicing our Zedekah, putting our Zedekah on display, living out our Zedekah, living like Jesus The, the interesting thing is, is there's only one commanded fast in the Bible. And that's for the day of atonement. Now there's biblical texts of people taking fasts. We know that David takes, uh, not David. Um, Daniel, another D word. Daniel has his fast. That's a famous fast, right? We know that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Um, uh, I'm good at fasting for four minutes, <laughs> maybe 40 hours. No, no, 40 minutes. We'll go with that. Um, so, so on the one hand, we see in the biblical text, people fasting and, uh, and, and God responding to those fasts. But on the other hand, we see it's only commanded to fast one day a year. Did you know that the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. That ends up being what? 104 times. Plus if you add the day of atonement, 105 times a year, nearly a third of the year they're fasting. I wonder who the audience was. Who was the audience for those fasts? Jesus seems to give us his opinion and who the audience was. See, 
we start serving the poor, we start praying and we start fasting to be closer to God. That it's a very biblical thing to do. It's a very Christian thing to do for 2000 years. People have, have uh, noticed that it seems to cause God to smile when we serve other people. In fact, there's even, we're designed to, uh, like chemically our brain responds uh, in such a way that we actually feel good about serving, like most of the time, <laughs> uh, serving other people. We were designed that way. We were created that way. God built us that way. And so we come to serving the poor and we come to prayer and we come to fasting. And, and, and I believe that 99 times out of 100, like we honestly come to these practices longing to be closer to God. But I've noticed a couple things about Christianity. I've noticed a couple things about um, things I've done and things I've seen other people do as well. And here's the two things. Number one, uh, we start to get kind of good at the, this whole prayer thing, this, this serving thing, maybe even this fasting thing. And we, we start, like other people are starting to recognize, man, you, you you actually do that maybe a little bit better than I do. And, uh, you know, like really, like I always felt like Bambi whenever I did this, you know, Bambi running for the first time. That's how, you know, prayer feels like any spiritual discipline feels like Bambi running for the first time. Um, and you just kind of want to hide like, like the fawns do. They just hide for the first week cause they don't want, <laughs> they know they can't run. So I'll just hide. Um, we come to this longing to be close to God, but then we start getting some recognition. We get people clapping us on the back. We get people celebrating us and we kind of like to be celebrated, especially we're being celebrated for, for good things versus the things that we used to be celebrated for, you know, before Jesus. Got to get an amen for that. Some of you in the room know what I'm talking about. A little pride sets in. Oh, I'm better at this than the guy on the right or the gal on the left. A little pride sets in. And, and suddenly the audience starts to change and the audience isn't God as much as it used to be. And the audience is now the person hearing us pray for them or the people that see us saying, I will pray for you when we respond on Facebook. Sometimes the audience changes. So I think that can creep in. That can happen. We become actors to our neighbors, to our friends. And Jesus says, whatever benefit you thought you were going to get, it's, it's all paid for right here and right now. You've earned your wage. With man, not with God. The second thing that I think happens is we don't always want to embrace authenticity. And so we walk through the doors and people say, hey, how you doing today? And we paint on a smile and we say, I'm doing fine. And we act like Everything between us and God is amazing. 
and our life outside of here is amazing. So it must be amazing here too, right? We got, we don't want to talk about what's going on out there or the, or the questions that we're really honestly dealing with here. And we don't know what to do with these questions between us and God that we don't have answers for. We don't want to honestly talk about that because, well, you know, I'm a pastor now and pastors don't have those kinds of problems. And pastors don't fight with their wives and pastors don't do this and pastors don't do that. And so pretty soon we, we come through this door as an actor. We're just acting like we got this God thing figured out. And so we put on a show to hide what's real. And we put a distance between us and God when we do that. And whatever it is that we think that we're going to earn by just acting like our life is okay in church, whatever we think, that's all there is. That's all there is. And so Jesus says, within this kingdom, we have to live differently. That's, that's why we talk about authenticity as much as we do. Because we need it. We need to remind ourselves that, that it's the authentic you that matters to, to me and to Logan and to the other people in this room. And it's the authentic me that I hope matters to you as well. Uh, Aaron Couch, my old uh, pastor, my old boss in Moscow, Idaho, uh, and he served on our board for a season. If he ever talked about him and him and his wife arguing on the way to church, he would get emails that next week saying, "You cannot be that transparent with people." Baloney. Baloney. If I can't be real here with you, where am I going to be real? And if you can't be real here, who's going to be, who, who's, who's invite other people into this? Like, we could watch TV and watch actors all day long. We can binge, binge them on Netflix, right? And we'd have a reward in full. But did you notice that this, uh, this sermon or this section of this sermon of Jesus is a chiasm? Let's look at the next slide. Because serving the poor and fasting, they're, they're the same size. They're, they're quick and to the point, that, but the prayer section seems to be a bigger section. It's, I don't want to say this about Jesus's words, but it's bloated. It's bigger. It's, it's larger. It, it, it has a three to one ratio compared to the other two sections. Serving the poor and fasting, you get a one for one. But on prayer, which seems to be the focus of this part of his message, prayer is a bigger conversation. And maybe prayer is critical to our Zedekah. 
what Jesus has to say about prayer is, is critical. That's the, that's the key component. That's the piece that makes the, the serving the poor and the fasting even work. So let's look at that. Let's look at the prayer pieces again. He starts off by saying, pray in secret, right? Let your prayers be in secret. Uh, I love the word, by the way, in the Greek, it's crypto. And uh, if any of you served in the military, you know that we use crypto to secure things. And uh, it, crypto is what we use to, to encrypt messages, to keep them secret. And it doesn't matter how much crypto you use, God could see the secret message. Find that fascinating? But um, I wrestle with like, what does it mean to pray in secret? That doesn't mean we don't tell people on Facebook we're praying for them. I think we should tell people. And then I think we should actually pray. I'm praying for you. And then we walk into the room and get on our knees. And now the audience is our father in, in heaven. Um, but what does praying in secret mean? What does that mean? This week uh, on Monday, I, Logan and I have added back into our schedule uh, what we call our super Sabbath. It's our fun name for, uh, we take one staff day a month to spend more time in prayer. And, uh, and this is like, I spend a, a lot of time and energy praying for, for you guys, praying for this community, praying for, you know, things that I should be praying for. But sometimes I just need my own relationship with God to be just like, it's just him and I. I need that. And I watched this video that uh, Mike posted. Uh, maybe you saw that Mike posted on Slack a, a video, uh, The Unhurried Life. And, and I watched that video. And, and in that, the, the guy uh, the, the presented the sermon uh, from Mike's old church uh, talked about the daily office, the daily office. And it's just, it's a, it's a six to eight minute period, a couple times a day. So maybe on your breaks, like if you, if you take breaks in the morning and the afternoon, which most jobs give you that they're supposed to, um, <clears throat> or maybe driving to work and then driving back home, but it's a six to eight minute. And, and the daily office has on the outsides, just some quiet time where you just slow down. And Logan talks about the daily office all the time. <coughs> uh, we talk about this quite a bit in our Sabbath series. And then, and, and Logan has mentioned this more than once. So you, some quiet time on the outside. So a couple minutes on the outside uh, bookends of just slowing down and being quiet. So guy that can actually speak into that. And then, and then, the next step after you take a couple minutes is to uh, focus in on a scripture, do some meditating, either, either reading scripture or, or just talking through scripture that you already know.
and then having a conversation with God about that. So quiet yourself down, scripture, prayer, quiet yourself down, six to eight minutes, very doable for all of us. But it's, it's about maintaining this connection with God throughout our day. That was the gist of this conversation and the slowing down piece uh, really nailed my heart. But I went to the Psalm 103 and uh, reread it. And uh, it starts off this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And in that moment, I was undone. I had slowed myself down enough to let these words actually hit my heart. And I'm like, Lord, have I forgotten your benefits? Have I forgotten your grace, your compassion, the way you chased after me and pursued me, the way you redeemed my life from a pit? Has my soul, the deepest part of me, lost sight of you? Prayer in secret, prayer in secret is soul level prayer. Soul level prayer. Even if my wife was sitting in the room today, I could confidently say, you guys know me, but you don't fully know my soul. You know me, but you don't know every secret part of me. Let your prayer be in secret. Have a soul level conversation with God. If you're having a soul level conversation with God, it's not going to matter who else is in the room. And oh, by the way, if we had time, I'd, I'd take you through uh, Psalm 139. Because he knows you. In fact, that's where Jesus goes next. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Before, before the words hit your lips, he already knows what you need. So maybe this isn't about him, you telling him what you need. Maybe this is about relationship. Maybe this is about you learning what he knows about you and what you need to know about yourself and what he has to say about your needs. I don't know how many times within the last month, I'm like, Lord, do you know what we need? And he's like, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> like in my heart, I'm like, I know it's a dumb thing for me to ask that question. 
we're so good at describing to God in detail what our needs are. We could speak about it in the greatest of detail. Now, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're like, I'm not really sure what I need. Barb said that to me the other day. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I need. And I'm like, ah, I've been there. But oftentimes we, we've, we can tell God with the infinite detail of what we need. Have you taken the time to ask him, what do you want to say to me about this need? You already know. What do you want to say? And so implication one is this. If you desire to be closer to God, cease striving for attention, at least from the people around you. Slow down and share your soul with your father who already knows you. Now, if you're Logan Daly, you'd be like, if he already knows me, why do I have to share my soul? That's a direct quote. (laughs) He's good at those questions. Because maybe you don't know what's going on in your soul as well as you think you do. See, striving for attention, slow down and share your soul with your father who already knows you. And then we're told the final prayer item is this. Pray in this way. Jesus says, pray then in this way. Now, we know this prayer, right? This prayer is second nature to us, and it should be. This prayer is second nature to us. It should be. I mean, if you've been around the church very long, you know this prayer is kind of important. Did you know that this prayer models a prayer that was, that's been uh, actually used by the Jews for centuries now? But it's pretty similar to a prayer of that time called the Amidah prayer. It's a standing prayer. It's a prayer that they would pray at noon, either at the synagogue or at the temple. And today they still pray a type of Amidah prayer. It's pretty similar still. They're very similar. Jesus gives them the same prayer that they're used to with one difference. Let's look at the next slide. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Right in the middle of this chiasm, you know, Jesus is saying, you know what's crucial to your zedekah, to your righteous acts? You know what's crucial to you acting like Abraham, your father? You know what's critical? You have to forgive debts and trespasses. Debts cost me. Trespasses, they're just painful. If you owe me money, I forgive you your debt. That costs me something. If you drive across my lawn, it just irks me a little bit. You trespassed. Guys, 
The second implication is this. If you are unwilling to forgive others, if you're unwilling, unwilling, not, not that you haven't totally figured out how yet and you're wrestling through it, but you're unwilling to forgive others. Nothing else you do for God will matter. No acts of righteousness will matter if you're unwilling for, remember the, in the Beatitudes, who receives mercy? The merciful. This is one message. This is one sermon. And we need to connect the dots. This is a heart level issue. This is not, this is not, I haven't figured it out yet. And I'm trying to, like, I'm working with people that journey through this. This is a heart level issue that says, no, not forgiving them. Are you kidding me? Do you know how much it cost me? Do you know what they did to me? No. If you're unwilling to forgive, no act of righteousness. And maybe that's why at the end of the sermon, in a few more weeks, we'll get there. Jesus will say to some, depart from me. I never knew you. Because you wouldn't share your, the secret part of you or you're unwilling to forgive. That's what Jesus wants us to learn today. Who's the audience? When you, when you serve when you pray, when you fast, who's your audience? Who are you trying to impress? And are you letting God change your heart so that you can forgive? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana, If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.